Hey guys, it's Jenna. Um, we're starting this episode a little bit differently than we normally do. Um, I just wanted to talk about some things that have been happening um, in our in our home country, Lebanon, um, before we jumped into the final installment of our blockbuster series, Jurassic Park. Um, yesterday, August 4th, 2020, Beirut was struck by a massive explosion um, in their port and uh, it completely destroyed the port, damaged the entire city. Um, the effects have been felt across Lebanon itself, the entire country, um, even, you know, the country, uh, the island of Cyprus, 150 miles away, felt the impact of this blast, this explosion. Um, had it, the reality of the situation is that had it not been for the water, you know, Beirut is a city right on the water, um, had the water not absorbed some of that impact, the entire city would have been decimated. Um, so I wanted to talk about this because um, Lebanon is already, you know, facing an economic and political crisis. There's a famine happening. Their lira has depreciated in value so much people can't afford food and basic necessities due to inflation. Um, and now with this explosion, you know, in addition to battling a pandemic, COVID, um, things have only gotten worse there due to COVID. And now with this explosion, um, hospitals are just overwhelmed. The country is overwhelmed. These people are overwhelmed. Um, and I wanted to bring awareness to this. You know, I keep asking myself why, why there are just so many things happening in this year. I mean, it's just really just been a bully of a year. Um, and I'm really, really hoping that it is to force, you know, change, force our world to be a better place. That's what I hope for. Um, we've had a lot of big movements this year. We're seeing, you know, the corruption of our government. BLM has, you know, has been at the forefront, thankfully. Uh, with that, you know, I was fortunate enough to, with my family to be able to march, you know, for Black Lives. Um, but with this yesterday, I was just feeling very, very hopeless, helpless. The most that I could do is spread awareness and, and donate. And so that's why I wanted to bring this up. Um, please check out, you know, just watch the news for starters. Go online. Social media has lots of great resources. That's where I'm going to direct you. Um, on my Twitter page, at Mary. I have uh, my pinned tweet is a series of different threads and websites that have just a whole bunch of different places you can do donate to and just information about Lebanon and the crises they've been facing lately. Sada has some tweets as well on her page. Um, on my Instagram page, Jana Abumeri, I have a, a, I've created a highlight of stories um, with, again, information about Lebanon, where you can donate, things like that. Um, I really, really hope that this year is to bring better change, you know, just make a change in the world, move things forward. Um, and I really ask that you, you know, if you're willing and able to donate. Um, I think, you know, the reality is Lebanon is such a special pit place. Its people are so special. Um, but they live in a place that's run by, very, by a very corrupted government. Frankly, a government that doesn't deserve the people there in that country. Um, so all we can do from here is donate to these places and these causes and educate ourselves. And I really ask you to take the time to do that. 
and hopefully um, the people there won't have to live in this kind of resiliency anymore. Thanks so much. And um, on that note, um, please enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to It's a Wonderful Movie. This is your co-host, Jen. And today I'm joined by, of course, our co-host, Sada. Never misses a beat. Super dedicated. Wait, um, hold on. Why are you making it sound like it's your podcast and I'm a guest? Isn't that what it's sounding like, Layla? No, but you just have issues. I, I just wanted to give you the credit that you deserve because our producer, Miss No Show Layla, is here. She's Hi, here. guys. I'm here to talk about my favorite movie of all time today. What's the name of the movie we're talking about? Jurassic Park. <laughs> well, I that's saw a great one of them. I saw one of them. Wait, ju- what do you mean? What, which Jurassic Park have you seen? The one that came out like a couple years ago. The Jurassic World? Yeah, what, the one with the, the rock. What's his name? Is that his name? The rock? The rock's not in a Jurassic World movie. What are you thinking of? Are you thinking of Jumanji? Yes! <laughs> I'm thinking of Jumanji. <laughs> That's the only movie I've ever seen. Anything similar to this. Jumanji. So that says a lot about your generation, I guess. I mean, but to be fair, I'd never seen the actual Jurassic Park movie up until this Friday when I watched it, mostly because I was scared of watching it growing up. But still, at least I know the difference between Jumanji and Jurassic Park. Yep. Yep. What a, can't argue with that logic. I mean, it's, I would agree. <laughs> Before we get to into Jurassic Park, can mm-hmm. we go back to the Dark Knight for a second? Um, sure. I have a point I want to break up. Okay. Okay. Last week, if you guys will remember, we talked about the Dark Knight and we talked about specifically um, Harvey, you know, Harvey Two-Face and who could play that character. And so we both gave a couple recommendations. <laughs> I think I said Charlie Hunnam. You said, did you say Antonio Banderas? I can't and, remember. Uh, did I say Russell Crowe as well? You <laughs> no, might have Russell Crowe was for Batman, but I might have said Antonio Banderas. <laughs> well, I've been thinking a lot about this. I have five nominees for you. Okay, Jenna, oh, you're going to pick okay. one. All right. Now, when you listen to the, when you hear the list, imagine that don't affiliate the actors with any franchise or anything. Just think about them solely as actors. Okay. Okay. As human beings as they are. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, okay. I can do that. Okay. Number one, Michael Fassbender. Number two, Michael Shannon. Three, Javier Bardem. Four, Robert Downey Jr. And five, John David Washington, because you said you like Denzel. Yeah, I love that you prefaced this with think of them separate from the roles they've ever played, because every single name you like went over, I (laughs) immediately related them to roles they've played. Like, you know, um, Michael Fassbender in X-Men or other movies, and then uh, Javier Bardem is always a villain, right? Michael Shannon. I think of the bunch, I would pick Michael Shannon, but that's because I feel like he's always a good like sidekick, secondary character. (laughs) You know what I mean? I know. I mean, I like it better as whenever he gets to play the leading man. But I think, yeah, him or Fassbender, I think, would be really interesting. I don't see it with Fassbender. You don't see it with Michael Maybe. I agree with Sarah here. Leila, who's Michael Fassbender? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my God. Tall, beautiful. Tall, dark, and handsome, baby. No, he's kind of, he has kind of red hair. Kind of a ginger, right? Yeah. Yeah, Um, It's awkward. I, I think I just see him being... I mean, I guess Harvey, 
I mean, Harvey Dent was still like a secondary character, right? And I just picture Michael Fassbender just being, I think it would have been really competitive with Christian Bale. They're both great leading actors. And I, but isn't that what I, you I would think want? it would have been too much. I, I don't know. I kind of mm. want someone who's like good at being on the side, the side okay. piece, you know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really would have liked to see, I don't know if anyone will agree with this, but like the actor Robert Downey Jr., you know, like the best actor, like people, the Robert Downey Jr. people consider to be one of the best actors working today, not Iron Man. I think that could have been interesting just to see his spin on it. Like he has such yeah. a natural charisma that you want to be drawn to the character and then he would become evil yeah. all of a sudden. And I'd be curious. Well, you know, it's interesting that we bring this up that we're looking for an actor who could have done Harvey Dent better. But at the same time, would you have wanted anyone to overshadow Heath Ledger's performance with like their acting? I don't know. D- does the movie harmed if you have like okay, Heath is great. Christian Bale, even though we don't necessarily love his acting as Batman, is still a great actor. Mm-hmm. It's really that would things really change that much if you have three great actors on the screen as opposed to two? Doesn't that is just make it more competitive? Then it becomes a Valentine's Day movie or 14, you know, what is it? Uh, he's just not that into you. <laughs> I don't know. You're the only person who still talks about he's just not that into you. <laughs> I mean, it's Jennifer Aniston and Sad Ben Affleck. It's just yeah. so, it's my I jam. love that movie. Of course you do. Lena. We need to talk about this movie eventually. I we think will we need, not discuss this we need movie. The whole Jennifer Aniston block. Okay, Leila, are you happy to be back in the studio with us? I am very happy. I felt like I was a little bit of a bad producer. You know, I slept through the last um, <laughs> podcast episode and I wasn't on the, the second episode either. So hopefully my yeah. production skills improve a little bit. Can you tell us what production skills you're referring to exactly? <laughs> I think just my observations of the Bachelor world. Guys, when we have a Bachelor podcast, then we can talk about it. Mm. Yes. So with that, I think we're going to jump into our, our, next, uh, our next movie. It's the last movie in our blockbuster installment. Um, today we're talking about Jurassic Park. 1993, the original film by Steven, uh, directed, I'm sorry, directed by Steven Spielberg. Ask, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Jana, this is the first blockbuster that you and I have not seen, which was interesting to watch. Like the other movies we know, like the back of our hand, we're really, like we already have things in mind that we want to talk about. So it was fun to watch it together, having not seen it before. But to summarize this movie, this movie is basically what would happen if we bring dinosaurs into the 21st. Well, I guess in this case, it was the 90s. Specifically, breed new dinosaurs and on top of that, create an amusement park in which people can come and observe and interact with the dinosaurs. And so the story follows a couple main scientists, Ellie and Grant, as they kind of tour this island created by Dr. Hammond, along with Dr. Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum, and chaos ensues as these dinosaurs become loose and they start to attack the people on the island and going to see what happens and who makes it out alive. A lot of moments where I was on the edge of my seat. I was not expecting it. But again, I was too scared to watch this movie growing up. So what did I expect? Uh-huh. We were debating between doing this one and Jaws. I think Jaws would have probably been scarier. 
you know? Well, okay. So I brought this up with my friends because they asked, what movie are you doing next? And I said Jurassic Park. And one friend was like, no, you should have done, you should be doing Jaws. That was considered the first summer blockbuster. And I told them like we were going to, but you know, we figured it was too scary. And I've mentioned this to a couple of people since you and I decided to watch Jurassic Park and they all mm-hmm. said it's not scary. It isn't? <laughs> it's like, because like the, the, the shark's mouth doesn't even open all the way like it would oh, in real really? life. It's just a mechanical shark. And it's just, there's, there's nothing horrifying about it. I guess before we get too deep into our favorite scenes, do you, both of you believe dinosaurs are real? What's, <laughs> what's your thought on that? I would like to know what our president thinks before I make any final oh, yeah, oh would you? <laughs> decisions about dinosaur existence. It's funny that we like chose to watch this movie because I think a couple days before, and I've been looking for this thread again on Twitter, there was a Twitter thread floating around that dinosaurs are fake. Um, because there, some of their arguments were that there's a no official meteor site found and that the bones are hollow so that there's no way that, it, you know, they could carry the weight of a dinosaur. And of course, people on that thread, like posted scientific, you know, articles and mm-hmm. things like that, that dispute these arguments. But in my head for a moment, I was like, that seems legit. Oh, shut up. Oh, shut no, up. no, no. I mean, we can convince ourselves of anything, right? That's, I do believe they're real. I'm on the side of believing they're real. Yep, that's it. I don't think we should not believe in science anymore. I think from now on, we should just uh, follow the science. Yes. You know? Yeah, not Enough. a lot of people are following science anymore. I'm sorry I faltered to the dark side for a split second. It's okay. We're, we're happy to have you back. Yeah. But <laughs> on that note, Jana, what are your favorite scenes from this movie? So I, I love, well, I'm going to take us to the end. I have like things I love about the movie um, because this movie really kept me on the edge of my seat. I didn't have, I didn't think about that this could be a favorite scene, but I loved it when all of a sudden the T-Rex that was trying to kill them throughout the whole movie was the... The thing that saved them in the very end. I thought that was what really the hell? great. <laughs> I know. I mean, is it a little too unbelievable? Do you I, buy it? I, I wish that there was more of like a moment, like a scene where we see, because in the new movies, you see Chris Pratt connecting with one of the the, the, the raptors. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I wish that there was a moment in Jurassic Park in this movie, the original one, where there is a connection forming somehow with T-Rex. Because it just kind of came out of nowhere. Did it take sympathy on the kids? You know, it almost mm-hmm. killed them a few times. Was it like, yeah. that's enough? <laughs> what, what was the deal there? Is the T-Rex uh, bonding with children? Yes. These are the questions I don't that know. unanswered. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never but. know. I guess I can talk about things that I just loved. I I felt like... Steve, like there was such kind of like a sparkle, like a 90s nostalgic thing going on with this movie. And it just kind of made me like, even though it was scary and people were getting eaten by dinosaurs, I mean, they killed Samuel L. Jackson off screen, which we'll get to that later. But Mm -hmm. it still made me feel like happy and like a kid again. And like all the visuals, like it was so green and beautiful, like the surrounding, like it was just gorgeous. Um, but there's just, yeah, there was just a sparkle about Spielberg's movies and I like yeah. can understand why he's kind of, I guess he's the one who started, you know, the blockbuster film. There's something about, yeah, movies from that 
I mean, I, I don't know if you could call this an old movie. We were talking about this, about this a little bit when we watched it. It is from the 90s. Do we consider that old, really? But just, you know, the farther away you get from a movie, you watch it back and you're like, it has such an endearing, sincere quality. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. kind of been lacking in our modern day blockbusters yeah. or just yeah. maybe movies in general, they're a bit more cynical. And I think it has a quality that is very much a Steven Spielberg movie. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. Despite what's going on, there's always kind of this brim of optimism that's yeah. shining over everything. Yeah, these movies are fun to watch because you feel like the characters are sincere and you just kind of want to watch them and see what's going to happen. And yeah, I get yeah. what you mean about the sparkle. I know it's based on a book, but I feel like it still was like a unique movie to be going through. A lot of the movies that are coming out these days, they're all like, we're remaking a bunch of things or we're retelling mm-hmm. the same story over and over. And this was just kind of something new and like I said it was like I got to I felt like a young a a young woman again of 16 or yeah whatever even though when this came out you were you were but a twinkle in your mother's eyes (laughs) were they even they my parents had just gotten married yeah I was I was I was in the womb they were pregnant Yeah, exactly. Oh my me. god, and mom yeah. saw it in theaters while she was pregnant. Oh my god. So you That's have seen it. Yeah. Oh, I have seen it. So I felt oh. like a fetus again. <laughs> I <guess you> could <laughs> that makes that explains the nostalgia. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're nostalgic. There you go, folks. Full circle. It really it's was just, a full circle moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's just we're just living in such like tumultuous times. And each week it's like up and down, whether you're, you know, you're mm-hmm. okay with it or you're just feeling extra down. And it was just nice. It was just an uplifting movie for some it's reason. Uplifting. This, Even yeah. though the characters are like 80% of the movie, the characters are evading death there's Mm -hmm. something about it that's uplifting and it's also this is kind of the definition of escapism like that's why i think Mm -hmm. we like i enjoyed rewatching lord of the rings yeah it's a fantasy world even if what's going on is not necessarily bright and positive it's yeah even everything we have right now it just feels you feel like there are people with decency that you're watching i don't want to get too political but there are like characters to root for i guess which Mm -hmm. i feel like we're lacking right now um, as a producer, I want to point out that you just used evading really casually and Jenna used tumultuous. <laughs> and I was just like, what does that even mean? Are those fancy words? They sound fancy. Tell me I they mean, don't have a fancy ring. I, I just I, wanted I, to compliment your intellect. Fake it till you make it, baby. <laughs> I wonder if what's happening is, folks, we got off to a bit of a rocky start because Zeta and I were fighting five minutes prior to the podcast recording. Yeah. Feeling yes. a little bit better about things now, but do you think Layla <laughs> is trying to... Uh, butter you up. Yep. Wow. <laughs> butter, butter. It. She's either buttering you up or telling us that we're being a little too pretentious so we need to yeah. dial it down. <laughs> no, right. I was just hoping to increase your integrity for the listeners oh all right someone's been writing their college essays (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes ma'am i've written one paragraph oh Oh, god all right any other favorite things i guess for you jenna okay i i do want to talk about hammond a little bit he's Mm. the owner of the island um i know there's a big debate during the movie whether he's bad he's good but i think also what kind of added to the sparkle, to the enlightenment was that I know he does a lot of unethical things, but I, he was just kind of, he was a guy with big dreams and he was making them come true. And he was Mm -hmm. so like pure and honest in what he was hoping to achieve that I kind of thought that that was endearing. You know, there's, like I said, again, it all just goes back to the time we're living in. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. snaky, gross people out there. I know. I know he was unethical, but... Yeah, it's interesting that, like, you're recognizing he's unethical, but you would still use the word pure to describe his ambition. 
Well, I mean, there was that moment where he was worried about his grandchildren and he was sad and sitting in the dark eating melted ice cream because all the mm-hmm. power on the island was, had gone out. Yeah. Um, and it was just his whole dream shattered in front of him. And I don't think he was like doing it for, I mean, I'm sure there's always financial like gains that people are chasing, but it was still just kind of like to bring this reality to life that we've never gotten to experience as humans. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, saying dinosaurs. And That's true. That was but beautifully I, said. <laughs> I feel moved. <laughs> he's not he's not evil. He's not maniacal, no. but there's something about him where I don't feel maybe it's just me. I like literally we're gonna get to this for LVPs, but yeah. I wrote down five minutes into the movie, get got a bad feeling about Dr. Hammond. Or like right in that intro scene we get with him. I don't know. There's yeah. something about him where he's not a madman, he's not the villain of the story, but is he the hero? He's not honest in his convictions, maybe, but I think mm-hmm. he's honest in his, like, his dream was still pure. I don't think it comes from, like, a, a dishonest, evil yeah. place. Okay. I, I can agree with that. That's yeah. Be- that was beautiful. Look at you. I mean, thanks. Seeing the best Just- in people. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what you told me is one of my worst qualities over the exactly. <laughs> game which in retrospective was a horrible horrible game where we went around and listed one another's worst traits we did it for me first i handled it pretty well i think and then we got to layla there was crying there was and mouth. there was storming out of the room it wasn't so there was storming. a meltdown i was trying to explain it to my friend today this game and i could not tell her why we thought this was a good idea like i really don't know. i feel like jenna handled it okay how you expected i would handle it i'd have i'd take some things and then i would snap about others yeah but but you weren't like it's not like any of us were like you're an awful person like Mm -hmm. rotten hell yeah you know yeah that'll come out the next time we do the game yeah 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 it kind of came out towards me but (laughs) all right right, moving on on. (laughs) all right should i give you my best scenes okay the first one is when ellie and grant first see the dinosaurs they're in the mm-hmm. Jeep and then you see them stand up and you're watching just their facial expressions for that brief moment. And they see the Brachiosaurus and it's, you know, welcome to Jurassic Park. And it's these two people who have been studying dinosaurs all their life. They're obsessed with these animals and they get to see them for the very first time. And that's kind of relates back to the optimism, the excitement, the like sincerity of this movie is very much in that scene. And the score, I mean, we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about the score, but this is one of the most iconic scores there's ever been for a movie. And it's plays yeah. so well and it accompanies that scene in particular so well. I just love it. It's, I mean... This whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking I'm trying to envision a reality in which this is real and there would be major problems with this being real, but also how cool, like if you're someone, if you're like even a little kid who just thinks about dinosaurs 24 seven to turn around Mm -hmm. and see one next to you, you know, it's sweet. Well, how much do you freak out? Like remember the first time you went to Disney this year when you had your pass and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. And they're not even, you know, they're not even real princesses walking around. (laughs) It is. It's weird. It's like something happens. Yeah. That the nostalgia comes through and, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a very, okay, moving on. Um, The next scene I really like is, so Jeff Goldblum is kind of the voice of reason throughout this film and he plays Dr. Malcolm. And there's kind of a scene where I think they're in, they're doing the tour. They're in the lab where the dinosaurs are being bred. Mm. And I think the doctor's explaining how all the dinosaurs are female and that way they can control the breeding that happens. And so Jeff Goldwyn, it might be that scene. It might be a dinner scene later on. I'm trying to remember I, I, what. It is that scene. I know what you're going to say. It is that yeah. scene, yeah, where he talks about how scene. life finds a way. 
and how yeah. you think you know what you're doing and you think you're in control, but at the end of the day, you're not. You have no idea what you're doing, mm -hmm. which is very much a lesson for science in general. And just, yeah. I mean, I, so I work in research right now. That's what I've been doing. So watching this movie and thinking about kind of like the research element of everything and how the ambitions of a scientist versus the reality and the ethical boundaries of everything. It's a really, this movie was, it really foreshadows a lot of what we're dealing with now in science. Mm -hmm. So I just really like that scene. And Jeff Goldblum has a way to deliver lines. Like he's not acting because he yeah. never seems to act. He, but... he never seems to act. Not in this no. movie, not in Jurassic World that later on he makes an appearance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just, he's just himself. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. 10 out of 10. And then last scene is just the, the first glimpse we get of the T-Rex and that car scene where all of a sudden the thudding starts to happen and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Every person in the car seems to be making a mistake, like turning on lights or doing this and doing that and screaming and what have you. And of course, how would you know how to react in that moment? But then all of a sudden you see the T-Rex and it's like this small, tiny car and a giant T-Rex. And you're like, oh God, <laughs> like this is, there's a reason dinosaurs and humans don't cohabitate. This you know is what not I mean? going to go well. Nope. No. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of what happened in that scene was amazing, especially like, I mean, cause we've gone to the, we've done the universal studio tour so when you see these sets in person they're not as like I can't think of the word they don't come mm -hmm. off as impactful as they do in the movie you know mm -hmm. as, as as intimidating as intimidating but and then but to watch it in that actual film you see the car flipping over t through the trees and things like that and the t-rex is still trying and it's just it's amazing yeah. to watch yeah the movie magic you know yeah yeah the movie it puts it in perspective having mm -hmm. seen the studio tour and then watching the actual film definitely Definitely. Yeah. Um, it also makes it feel different from, I guess now that we're done with best scenes, like if you relate this movie and your favorite scenes from it to something like Infinity War, where mm -hmm. do you fall? Like, is there a blockbuster to you that comes across as more natural and more enjoyable? Yeah. That's a great, I think this one comes, I think, cause I, we've seen, you know, we're so involved in Marvel Mm -hmm. And it isolated in it, I guess, part of this bubble that we for we don't always think about the monopoly that is Marvel. We're not objective for sure. We're not objective, yeah. And then thinking about this, like this was just a standalone blockbuster film all on its own, it, and it it had that kind of impact. Where mm -hmm. Marvel, it's much everything is just much more calculated. I guess that's such an interesting puts so much in perspective I haven't and there's about something it. about Marvel too like if you see the behind the scenes of how they make a Marvel movie for me it just ruins it mm -hmm. the idea that when you see the scene finished and you're watching in a movie it's great and then you see the actor yeah. doing it and it's just them in like this printed like leotard tight suit in a, just a, yeah. an empty room in a green screen god it's just like there's something about it that feels I don't know what the right word is but I get that's what the technology is and that's how you create yeah. a universe in the Marvel, you know, less in the authentic. Marvel movie. It's less, less authentic, authentic, you know, yeah. but that's what we're, we're moving away from filming on big sets. We're moving away from things like that. We're moving more towards yeah. like for blockbusters, at least what Marvel does. Right. So yeah. you gain amazing visuals, but yeah. you kind of lose authenticity. And I think that's what happens with the Jurassic world movies. Like I don't yeah. mind the Jurassic world movies per se, but yeah. they lack the sense i know i have the word compete. sincerity 18 times yeah but they lack the sincerity i think of this movie i think too with the marvel movies now that i think about it i mean you just know that marvel really just wants to shatter records and makes money make money mm -hmm. we know that's the goal then like what is the story that they're trying to tell and for some reason i just feel like jurassic park had like 
an actual story to tell. They just wanted, you know, just this is just so amazing. Imagine this whole concept of of dinosaurs walking the same earth mm-hmm. that like humans are, and that you could go see them. It's there also was more a simpler, of a point to what was being told. The story is less convoluted, right? It's everything is just everything in Marvel. Like to enjoy the third, you know, Avengers movie, you need to have seen like at least ten movies before. It. You know what I mean? Like, like you're saying, it's all about an end game. And I'm not saying yeah. I don't love Marvel movies. I mean, we I, I, we love them. We gushing yeah. about them. Yeah, and I don't think that they're the movies lack a depth and that they're pointless. Yeah. But at the same time. Yeah, you do. It's it's like weird to be if you're someone who loves movies, it's kind of interesting to sit and just put things in perspective like that, I guess, you know. Yeah. Like which how many Marvel movies have given you that giddy feeling that like Jurassic Park gave me? I think only Infinity Wars, really. Yeah, very few. Where I was I like, say- "Oh, this is just so amazing, so heartwarming." Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. You guys are so analytical sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like I go into these movies and I'm like, it made me laugh a couple times. It does the job, you know? It made us laugh. There are a lot of great moments that I'm sure we'll get to that we'll talk about. There were a lot yeah. of funny moments. We just, now that we're doing this podcast, we're watching everything with a much more analytical I lens. I know. Um, so, Jana, give me your MVPs. We probably have the same ones. Dr. Malcolm. Dr. Malcolm. Dr. Malcolm. I know Jeff Goldblum had his moments where he was the voice of reason, but honestly, what was he there other than to serve us some moments where he's laying there with his shirt open? Grant, you know, grant you, this is the the 90s where Jeff Goldblum is still in his days. And I will not, you know, uh, he he's our leader at apartments.com. He's in yep. our commercials. <laughs> I respect the guy. But Jenna um, works for apartments.com. I work so for apartments.com. We yeah. spent all of our marketing money to get him in our commercials. What was his purpose other than to lay there, look good, sparkling in the sun, and to give us his whimsical one-liners? I, There's I'm not no complaining. other purpose. Exactly. So that's why, I, you know, how I think about MVPs. Who did the movie do? Who did they not mm-hmm. screw over? They didn't screw him over. They let him be himself. They gave us a treat. I loved it. You know what's interesting about him too is he enters his leg, not his chest, but for some reason it's his shirt that is, <laughs> is wide open for us. I mean, the tan, a little bit of the hair, they had to give you the whole 90s. Uh, yep. He was a sexual magnet in the 90s. He doesn't you know? look like he would be a sexual magnet, but it works well. In the movies, in this movie where they're in the dark and all that stuff you're talking yeah. about, yeah. Yeah, he's like, the put, put Jeff back on the scene. Yep. Yeah, yep. where's Jeff? I want to see him laying, writhing in pain, but you know, talking about how life finds a way. Mm-hmm. I, I want to exactly. see it. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other one is Ellie, Miss Laura Dern. Oh yeah. Our big little lies actress, our, our mm-hmm. crazy blonde, uh, Star Wars, all of it. Um, I, I, you know, she she was there with the men, put her foot down, and. Uh, you know, there was a moment where Hammond was like, I don't want you to run off to turn on back the power on the island because you're a woman. And she's like, I'll, I'll give you a talk about feminism later when we come back. And exactly. I appreciate that, that line. Yeah. yeah. I like that it wasn't, the, okay, so is it, we're going to get to this in a little bit. She is like the only female character. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to ask yourself how well that ages. But I like how practical she is and how they don't mm-hmm. feel the need to give her this like giant woman empowerment moment. Yeah. Like she she just is a capable person and no one questions that and she's doing what she can to stay alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they didn't it's- go too much into her relationship with Grant. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't part of the storyline. There was no, it was, you know, there wasn't necessary, like she wasn't there to be a woman who was like to be the man's like wife. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
She's great. And talk about genuine. I mean, Laura Dern has that quality where like, you can't help but like her when she's on the screen, you know, yeah. even in Big Little Lies when she's playing like arguably in that <laughs> first season, a very, yeah, maybe a likable person, yeah. but she's still someone you're like, oh, I hope Laura Dern, you know, works it out by the next episode. I hope she feels better and, and all that. So are those um, your MVPs? MVP, those are my MVPs. Um, LVP. Can you guess? The lawyer. No, oh, well, I forgot about the lawyer. I, no. I mean, I don't care for the lawyer. Who did the movie screw over? Samuel Can't. L. Jackson. No. Wow. I don't know if this wasn't at the height of his career. In 93, I'm assuming he was, you know. He making... wasn't the world's biggest deal yet. He actually, within a few years after that, um, became okay. kind of the one of the guys. But they killed him. They killed him off screen. And what a disservice to Samuel L. Jackson in our day. And I wonder if um, Steven Spielberg regrets that. There was a moment, too, in The Avengers when Nick Fury dies, quote unquote, dies. And I remember reading articles like, is Nick Fury dead? There's no way you could kill Samuel L. Jackson off screen. And they were Mm -hmm. right. You don't do that. (laughs) And that's what they did in this movie. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's just because we know who he is now and his star power. So Exactly. That's interesting. So my MVPs are mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum and mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson. But we always oh, look okay. at MVPs differently. Like, in front yeah, we of do. who <laughs> saved the movie, who do I want to keep watching, et cetera. Yeah. And I just really like Arnold. He's, he's a little, he's sarcastic, but he's also just incredibly frustrated with everyone around him. He yeah. perfected the cigarette in the mouth move. Like, that's such <laughs> a trope now in movies. Like, actors use that you know, in scenes and would to look more natural, I feel. And he just, he has that quality. Um, But what's interesting about this movie and my two MVPs is that we kind of talked about this last week about like what makes a good actor. And is it someone who changes their persona a lot? Someone who doesn't do anything. And Jeff Goldblum and Samuel Jackson are two actors who are known for like carrying their own charisma to their Mm on-screen performances. Um, They just kind of like show, I feel like they just show up and they just kind of talk and do their lines how they would in real life you know what i mean yeah. and there are a handful just, of actors that we you know him rdj goldblum like yeah jeff bridges like they get away yeah. with it yeah, yeah 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 for sure um and then lvp is the lawyer because mm-hmm. just get rid of him i'm happy he died i mean it looked brutal i'm not a fan of him though <laughs> and then dr hammond who i just still get a weird vibe about i get what you're yeah. saying about kind of not being evil, really wanting to do right, wanting to bring the world dinosaurs, but mm-hmm. he, I mean, it's the, he tale the reality time. around him of like how he had to do it. Exactly. It's a tale as old as time. Men, just mankind in general, trying to control things they can't control, messing around with yeah. things that they shouldn't be messing around with and taking things too far. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it is. And I, I, you know, we should, we should be better. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Be best. Be better. Say it again, Layla. Wait, who's be best? Be best. So I'm not trying to get political, but Michelle Obama did be better with Uh her campaign. Melania Trump comes out and her her slogan is be best. You guys didn't know that's like a dig at Michelle Obama for like be better. It's like be best. Oh, interesting. Is Is that what the kids are talking about these days? No, I learned that from a history teacher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Not from other children. <laughs> yeah, no one would know this. Are you kidding? Not on TikTok. 
Oh my God. You know, what's funny is our first episode, we talked about how Layla would be the TikTok representative, much to my disdain. And mm-hmm. now she might not have a chance to access TikTok. No, well, well, um, actually, Microsoft announced yesterday that they're still in talks to buy TikTok and that they've yeah. talked about this with the president. So <laughs> it seems like they might have the blessing to move forward. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, before I know, Jenna, we're going to talk. You have like some overall science-y questions, kind of big picture mm-hmm. stuff we're going to get to. But first, let's do a couple of our favorite tests here. Mm-hmm. Are there too many white people in this movie? Oh, God, we noticed this the minute that we started. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie starts with a black person, a black actor dying, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then we move on to some mining that seemed to be happening that was worked by people of color. That was that was their moment. And then we're later blessed with Samuel L. Jackson, who once again dies. Exactly. And we also have the doctor, so, Henry Wu, but he's also an Asian. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of the trope of like Asians playing your scientists and your doctors. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, so if you think about it, there are like four main white characters right ellie grant malcolm and hammond yeah and then there's samuel jackson oh there's mm-hmm. there's the guy who's played by newman, newman. from yeah. yeah from seinfeld yeah. i'm yeah. saying basically i guess there's like maybe seven main characters and two are people of color for the 90s if you look at it from that perspective it's not yeah horrible I, it's hard it's not the representation we want to see if you're listening to this and you like give us feedback about this, because unfortunately, yeah. I mean, this is a conversation we want to have with every movie, but by the looks of it, a lot of movies are going to disappoint, disappoint us in this regard. So, you know, if you have thoughts on it, let us know what you think. It's hard to know. I don't think we're ever asking too much to have to ask for half the cast to be people of color, but at the same time, like, let us know, should we be thinking more about the perspective of when the, t- the this movie came out? Should we be thinking about the filmography of these directors in general? Like how likely are they to work with people of color in general? Mm-hmm. Like what different things would you want us to talk about? Yeah. I think the fact that you guys are even like discussing this shows that times have changed a little bit. Mm. All right. Moving on to our next test, the Bechdel test, passed or failed. <laughs> I think I think it failed, right? Unless you talk the um, Laura Dern, Ellie, and the young granddaughter, whose character's name? Do they talk? About, so okay, so the granddaughter is named Lex. Um, Lex, and she has a conversation with Ellie. Do they talk about what did they talk about though? I don't remember. I would just assume that if there was a moment where the Bechdel test would pass, it would be between them. But nothing stands out in my mind. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to count it as a failure for this movie because also yeah. Laura Darren is like the only main female character they have. So who mm-hmm. else would she even be communicating with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another Hollywood. Another, another sad. blockbuster. Yep. We're not even, you know, it's the term blockbuster. These are huge movies that mm-hmm. granted these actors a lot of star power. You know what I mean? Put them on the map. Exactly. Um, boosted their careers and they you know steven steven spielberg the writers they couldn't even think about just including a simple mm-hmm. conversation between two women how, how is it going to deter the plot the story I it's know. not it's, it's not, not it's not that hard to think to include something like that exactly and give us quality characters too you know mm-hmm. you have the space you have the time to do it just yeah <sighs> Oh, Hollywood. I mean, unless we start directing on our own, things aren't going to change, Jen. <laughs> no. Nope. 
I will happily be the producer. <laughs> absolutely not be the producer oh my God. of any future endeavor. Oh my Unless God. Unless it's the, the, the Bachelor. Remember, she, that's what she wants to do. Oh, yep. Yep. Gosh, I don't know if I'm as clever as they are about all this drama that they create. The Bachelor experience. You create your own drama enough in the house. You don't think you can do it in the Bachelor mansion? Wait it air our dirty laundry dude <laughs> but yeah i know whatever all right our next thing we're going to talk about what, what the new category we introduced last week is kind of our rotten tomatoes critical reception and what conversation was happening around this movie so mm-hmm. rotten tomatoes gave this film 91 percent, and the audience score was also 91 percent. oh wow um, yeah, so another yeah. Uh, movie where it tied. Um, the critic yeah. consensus is Jurassic Park is a spectacle of special effects and lifelike animatronics with some mm-hmm. of Spielberg's best sequences of sustained awe and sheer terror since Jaws. People who liked the movie's critics who liked it said, um, you know, this movie isn't just, doesn't just stand the test of time. It, transcend it transcends it. Um, oh. It's a self-reflexive blockbuster one review that didn't like this movie um, by Terrence Rafferty said that Jurassic Park doesn't have the imagination or the courage to take us any place we haven't been a thousand times before. It's just a creature feature on amphetamines, which is so opposite of what everyone else at the time was saying. And what would this guy do, like watching a movie in our day and age? I know, <laughs> you keep getting seriously. taken to the same story over and over. Yeah, I mean, it's this interesting, like critical reception is such a product of its time you know what i mean like if we're reviewing this movie now in 2020 what would how would it be perceived and yeah it's just interesting to see what people say like these people i think it's universally agreed that jurassic park is like one of the best movies one of the most memorable movies from the 90s yeah right so yeah. this like this you know the person who writes a negative review i wonder they do they look back on it decades decades later and go oh i got that one wrong or like mm. <laughs> just to be on the wrong side of history like that. it won three oscars too i'm looking at it now i don't know if oh, you have that great. noted it won for best sound best effects and best visual effects oh good okay well deserved yeah. i would agree thoughts on these reviews i mean I, yeah I, I i said the exact opposite of that last rotten review that you read mm-hmm. that it lacks you know I, I thought it was filled with imagination i mean like i said it's based on a book but it was still imagination coming to life and i don't think a lot of it would have happened without spielberg's direction yeah i would agree and it's interesting how i like this review by peter howell that says this movie doesn't just stand the test of time it transcends Mm -hmm. it i think that we're living proof of that like came out 27 years ago you and i are both seeing it for the first time and i'm imagining we're as excited now as we would have been if we'd saw it in 93 yeah Layla seems to actively avoid the movies we review on this show, but I feel yeah. like if she were to watch it, she would also enjoy it. <laughs> I, I think totally it would earn would her respect. I would earn my respect. I just had no clue that you guys were watching it when you were. Next time, I will be a better producer. Thank you, Layla. Yeah. On that note, trivia. Okay, so some trivia. First, so just let's just talk about dinosaurs. <laughs> so are I googled, they real <laughs> i googled dinosaurs and then i googled dinos 101 and then i googled what should i know about dinosaurs and so this is what okay. i've uh, accumulated from the internet group of reptiles lived on the earth for about 245 million years did you know it was wow. that long they no, spanned all seven continents basically birds are kind of the last living relatives all land mm-hmm. all non-flying dinosaurs went extinct uh-huh. about 66 million years ago and right now we know roughly 700 species of the ones that are extinct. 
Oh my God. Jesus, it makes you think about how long we're going to be around for before we're extinct. I know, (laughs) right? I mean, 245 million years. They were there for that long and they still got wiped out completely. That's insane. This is what's interesting. So this next part, I'm just going to read directly. It's from the Smithsonian, um, their their online um, website. Mm So, sorry, dinosaurs died out in a geological instant 66 million years ago. Paleontologists still don't know why. Yes, a massive asteroid struck the planet at the time following a protracted period of global ecological change and intense volcanic activity. Mm-hmm. But pa- paleontologists still haven't fully pieced together how all these triggers translated into a mass extinction that killed off the non-avian dinosaurs. Not to mention that most of what we know about the catastrophe comes from North America, even though dinosaurs lived all around the globe. So basically, like, we know about the meteor's history in North America and why it would have wiped out animals in North America, but we don't know why all other dinosaurs went extinct. I thought it'd be like- It's spooky. It's like a conspiracy theory. It is. Like, I remember growing up, like, we were unsure. Like, that's what we were taught in school. But I thought that at this point, we knew that it was the meteor. Like, it's been decided. I mean, I'm assuming, I don't know what happened. Who who am I to know what happened? I'm not going to crack this case. Who are we getting? (laughs) No. But uh, to end this kind of summary that the Smithsonian put together is paleontologists know the victims and the murder weapons, but they have yet to fully reconstruct how the ecological crime played out. Oh my God. That is so, so eerie. So creepy. It is. Oh God. And I, I haven't been listening to my true crime podcasts in no. quarantine because I'm by myself all the time and I didn't want to deal with it. And now you put this in my head. I mean, this is cause for, so we have a debate as between the three of us. We've already talked about that. You know, when we die, if we get to face God, yeah. what question do we get to ask? Uh, we're going to ask about the Zodiac Killer. We're going to ask about God knows what. Mine was always the dinosaurs. I was always going to ask. Um, did OJ Simpson kill his wife? <laughs> okay. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind he did, but I want to know why he was able to get away with it. Like, I want to have a one-to-one talk with God about it, you know? Do you need to talk to God about that? You can't figure that out on I your... mean, maybe I'll have a more pressing question. I'm only 16 right now, All so right. I don't have any <laughs> deep... <laughs> we'll see where things go um but jenna's gonna ask about the dinosaurs you can't go back on this channel because we're dependent no i've i've been saying this since i was a kid yeah because the mystery was uh always on my mind growing up (laughs) (laughs) all right so that's fact number one um second trivia piece for you guys today is that a lot of the logic of this film relies on the idea that t-rexes don't have good sight and that little arms (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it wasn't known whether the dinosaur's vision was based on move- movement, but now we know for sure that they actually had excellent vision, probably <gasps> even better than hawks and eagles. Oh my God. I know. I am really? so jealous. That yeah. is so scary. That's fascinating to me. I have awful vision, you guys. Layla is not comparable <laughs> to a T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, God bless. All right, anyway. we're going to work Wait. that out after the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so I thought that in the movie, they made it seem like the T-Rex doesn't have good vision because their eyes are on the side of their head. So they have like their peripheral, you know what I mean? They can yeah. never see like oh. what's in front of them. I Is that know. not I the mean, case? Which would make sense for why they couldn't detect movement. But I have yeah. no idea. This is all I saw online is that. Okay. Wow. So there okay. you go. Keep hitting me. What's next? (laughs) So the third fact for you guys is we talked about Dr. Malcolm and Dr. Hammond. 
I don't know if you noticed, I actually wrote this down, a little bit proud of myself, is Dr. Hammond is wearing white throughout the whole movie. Dr. Malcolm is oh. in black the whole time. <gasps> so Spielberg wanted Hammond to be idealistic, to be in the white, and Malcolm was supposed to be kind of cynical and more apprehensive, hence being in all black. So it's supposed to represent their perspectives on what was going on. Which is further evidence to what you're saying that Dr. Hammond's probably a purist. Fourth fact, casting could have been very different. This movie could have had <gasps> Harrison Ford as oh! Grant well, and Indiana Jones. Robin Wright sense. as Ellie. <gasps> I would have oh, loved that movie. Oh my God, I would have loved it. Oh my God. And then Robin Wright falls in love with Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God, my oh, mind. My, I would have also really liked to see up. Jeff Bridges maybe as Grant. I think that could have been really fun too. Like his kind of quirky, or maybe Malcolm. I think he could have been a good Malcolm. No, I feel like Malcolm was written for Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> if anything, not the other way around. There were- we're going to disagree on this, I suppose. But yeah, oh that gosh. is. Sean Connery was also in the running for Hammond. Wow. So, oh my God, movie, it would have huh? been a very different movie. Yeah. Different vibes. When did, when did Indiana Jones come out? Okay, the, the first one came out in 1981. Okay. So maybe, 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 um, I mean, and I don't Spielberg know. Spielberg did Indiana Jones, so it would make yeah. sense that he would choose Harrison Ford. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if Harrison Ford was busy, you know, conflicts, schedule conflicts, whatnot. Maybe he felt it was similar of a role. Yeah. Harrison Ford, I don't know. It's but a good question. Really Our producer, Layla, will reach out to Harrison himself and kind yeah. of get further clarification on this. I'll send him an email. <laughs> I heard he's really easy to get a hold of. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then my last trivia piece for you guys today is kind of the CGI in this film changed things going forward. I didn't really understand a lot of the CGI stuff, but I wanted to share this, that a lot of these dinosaurs that we see are kind of puppets made, like these giant puppets made. Oh and my God. do you remember the scene with the sick Triceratops? Yeah. How Grant yeah. is like lying on top of the Triceratops at one point? Yeah. So what's actually going on is this is a puppet that eight people were operating. And oh so my goodness. There are people literally underneath where Grant is laying, like helping operate the breathing mechanism. Isn't oh that crazy? my God, that is so crazy. I can't believe that's how it was done. I know, I know. What a different time. Right? Now, now yeah. I mean, have you seen, you saw Jurassic World, right? What do you think yeah. the dinosaurs in that movie are very impressive? They're scary, yeah. they're lifelike. They yeah. I mean, CGI yeah. has its benefits. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen Jumanji. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's another conversation later. Mm-hmm. You, you can talk about that with our good friend Mel. She loves that movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. That's my trivia for today. Any thoughts, Jenna? Before we I, love, I just love the recasting trivia we always manage to find. I, I know. It's, it's so fascinating to see. It is. Like, you think directors, you know, like Laura Dern and Robin Wright could have a similar shtick like in the 90s on screen. But it's interesting how directors will choose. There's just so many variations for one role. You know what I mean? And how does that change? Does it ruin the film? Does it make it more beloved? Who knows? And how do you choose it? That's the yeah. thing. Like how do you, because these directors and producers obviously have a super clear vision for the movie. And I think it's crazy. Like the fact that they're just able, because the movie would not have been the same or arguably maybe not the same vibe and not as successful if they went with someone else yeah it really just mm-hmm. is like depends on who you go with mm-hmm. all about intuition I, guess. I don't know with jurassic park i feel like when you think about the movie you don't think i 
Because I'd never seen it. You don't hear people talking about the cast. It's not remembered for its cast, mm-hmm. right? Oh, wow. As yeah, far I as I know, that. right? It's so not Indiana the Jones, most important part. No, it's not. Indiana Jones, you immediately know Harrison Ford, right? Mm-hmm. Like any, like, Back to the Future, Matthew J. Fox. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, who these actors, you Michael know, J. Fox. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Back to the Future, you immediately remember Michael J. Fox. You know that's that's who starred in the film. But Jurassic Park, you just think the dinosaur. So I think it could have. We think of the dinosaurs. (laughs) I think it could have been more like memorable with Harrison Ford, honestly, and Robin Wright. I think. I kind of like having these unknowns pop up, though. There's something interesting Mm -hmm. about kind of like what made Dunkirk successful. We're going to talk about Dunkirk in like a few months um, when we get to our personal favorites and stuff like that. But if you think about that, like that's a giant blockbuster movie, quote unquote, but it's Mm -hmm. largely a cast of unknowns. Like there is something interesting, not that these actors were unknown, obviously, but there's something interesting about not seeing your favorite, favorite actor on the screen or the most popular actor of that time. Well, there is something that now, yeah, I mean, now I I, like, I have a question for you, S. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm no scientist, as we all know. I hate science. I don't get it. It's hard. (laughs) Um, And so when I watched this movie, I was sitting with you and mom and you guys kept going, God, like this is so unethical. The cloning of dinosaurs coming out of a lab all of that in my head i was like okay i see that but i also think this is really fucking cool (laughs) like and like you know we all freaked out when a goat was cloned but explain to me the unethical part that comes you know that is part of this um and to our audience if they're not you know as involved in the science world as you are yeah i would say i okay so i'm not a cloning expert per se but this movie does really foreshadow where we're heading with genetic evolution and it brings up a really fascinating there's kind of this constant discussion in science of you know what will the next cold war be what will be the next thing we're all fighting over mm. and genetic technology i think is for sure going to be the next it's the next forefront it's where everything is heading you know the idea that especially using something called crispr CRISPR mm-hmm. system basically lets you cut and paste DNA with any sequence you want. So you can theoretically mm-hmm. take a genome and just edit out what you don't like, put in what you do like, which mm-hmm. is fundamentally changing. Like, imagine, Jen, if you got to go into a lab and pick and choose your DNA, basically. Yeah. It's I mean, I, I think it's complete. I, I know it's completely eth- unethical for humans, of course. Like, I, I don't support But, but, but for when but it comes it to unethical? animals... But, but it's not ethical if we can use technology like this to prevent future disabilities, to help with mm-hmm. antibiotics, to help with something like the coronavirus right now. So there's this constant question of, okay. is genetic technology going too far? What okay. happens with, what do we do when we reach a point where science has kind of reached its last frontier and we're very advanced when it comes to genetic technology? Who takes control of that equipment? Is it the government? Is it the scientists? Mm-hmm. Who's dictating what I happens see. with it? Okay. So it's kind of this conversation of, Whose Are hands we, does it fall into is the unethical yeah, part. The and external what ethics, factors. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, so to answer your question, like, I believe in science and the advancement of science, but I'm very skeptical of what's okay and what's not okay. And it's hard to know what's ethical and what's not, you know. When you're going too far and when you're not going Yeah, too far. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we have those same conversations in tech too. In college, we, I took tons of classes where it was mm-hmm. how far is too far? What, you yeah, know, they're very where, similar. Where are, yeah, where are our advancements going to take us? Yeah. There's okay. even, I took this cool stem cell class a couple quarters ago, and we had just one lecture on ethics. And it was talking about how, say you can make it so that everyone born in 2021 lacks 
disease X. Like you take a certain mm-hmm. disease or disorder and you wipe it out so that everyone born from here on out lacks it. Is that a positive thing? What does that do? In times, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> but it's okay. So say, you know, we'll say it's, it's disorder X, right? We've decided to wipe out disorder X. Everyone going forward, we have the technology to make sure that no child will be born with this disability. Okay. What happens to everyone who is born? What happens to their healthcare coverage? What happens to the, it's we wipe out um, the need for wheelchairs. Does that mean we get rid of ramps on every building? Like this idea of, even if we can modify and make future generations as healthy as can be, is that even what we really want to be doing? You know? Yeah. Basically it comes down again to the moral argument of stripping people's rights away. Exactly. But it's also what science is about, right? Like it's not meant to be stagnant. We're meant to move forward, but I just am so skeptical. So so many layers. That's so interesting. Yeah, for sure. I think something to think about too, though, is it might seem crazy right now, like all the things that you can see science going towards. Mm -hmm. But I think like, as far as technology goes, like, it's crazy how much we progressed there. And I'm sure, like, 50 years ago, if someone was, like, talking about it, or even longer ago, maybe, like, 100, 200 years ago, people would be like, what in the hell? Like, that is, is this too far? Like, mm-hmm. if they were hearing these possible ideas. So I think, like, yeah. things kind of happen gradually, and I don't think it would, when science does progress as it will, like, I don't think that it'll necessarily be, like, a huge sudden transition you we're know? progressing with time yes. humanity is moving forward yes, with it. gradually and it's not just like a shock mm-hmm. but does that mean things are happening behind the scenes where people aren't really paying attention you know what i mean if it's happening yeah. if it's something that we've been debating for as long as you're saying Leda, like does that mean when it finally happens was it done without people knowing or were we aware that's what i'm most yeah. nervous about i mean there's this okay. interesting article i was reading the other day about how if we have a more conservative government in the U.S. that's not very mm-hmm. like science forward, what happens when we fall behind other governments that are very science forward and that are putting a lot of money into science? And you're kind of creating this uneven playing field, you know what I mean, across like a global landscape. And so, I don't know, it's just really interesting to think about like we're not fighting over penicillin or making trains or computers anymore, you know what I mean? Like the next frontiers are genetic technology, genetic engineering, and space, really. Like what happens Mm -hmm. when we're able to visit other planets and collect resources and things like that. So everything is moving. It's a power play. It's a play for power. Who's going to give up their power and be okay with it? And I hate that. Like I really hate, I hate the term playing field. I hate that countries are like... Mm -hmm. I just wish that people did things for genuine intention and not because like just going back to history, like the fact that people, that countries seek to be more powerful than the other, like I, that just bothers me. You want everything to be ideal. Yes. Nothing is. <laughs> Welcome to the I, world, bitch. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm not a realist. So that's just a stupid to me. Oh my God. Yeah. Any other well, thoughts? Know. No, I mean, do you, I think you said, did you have any more research you wanted to talk about when it comes to what was done in the movie, all the DNA stuff? Oh, um, I don't, God, see, I wish I knew how, how one, how realistic is it that a dino, that a mosquito takes blood from a dinosaur that we store for millions of years? Can't, mm-hmm. can't answer that one for you folks. How does all the cloning <laughs> work? Not sure. How does the embryo, um, how does the breeding work? Not well, really yeah, sure. At one point, two females started breeding, right, on the island? Yes. Okay, so this... I try. I meant to look it up. Okay. The idea that dinosaurs can all of a sudden just like change their genders was like mm-hmm. something. One of the I think Grant at some point was like, "Yeah, some frogs are able to yeah. change their genders." Life finds but a way. I guess so. It does. It does. Yeah. You can't stop the unstoppable. 
you can't stop things from changing. So. Interesting. That's all. I mean, I wish I was more knowledgeable on this because it's all super interesting. Yeah. I, me too. I wish yeah. I knew more about cloning. I mean, I know in the 90s, cloning and dinosaurs actually were kind of all the rage. People were just really interested in those topics. And, and then yeah. we realized we can't figure out how they died. So let's move on. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go into cloning. So I'll, I'll hopefully bring you some answers. We'll go into the research of cloning. Exactly. Layla's going to talk to Harrison Ford and she's going to go into the research yes. of cloning. I'll bring all the <laughs> answers next week. If she's here next week. Our loyal producer. <laughs> I will be better. Yeah. <laughs> be best. <laughs> Um, we are not endorsing Melania Trump. I would like to put that out there. Thank you. <laughs> this is no way in an endorsement of her. I do have one final question for the both of you. Jana, I'll pose this to you. Layla, would love your feedback as well. Obviously, this is not a new topic. Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg is known to be a good director. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if we've seen someone with as diverse a filmography as this guy. Jaws, yeah. Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Catch Me If You Can, Schindler's List, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Um, he did Back to the Purple. Future, right? Oh, look, he, did oh the he did the color purple? Yeah, I don't think he did not do Back to the Future, but he did The Post, right? He did Lincoln. Like he has, he's West able to do story. a small story. He's able to do... A oh my god, I forgot story. he did Lincoln. He's just really expanded as a director as time And he did on. do Back to the he Future. I'm sorry, yeah. just he to clarify, did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. No, he did not. He actually didn't do, sorry, Back to the Future. Um, Why was it on his list? He's a producer. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just one of the most renowned pro- directors. Him and Martin, Scors- Martin Scorsese, as Leo yeah. says it. They're just right at the, right at the top. I no. would say, though, like someone like Martin Scorsese has kind of a similar style. Wait, I need to interrupt you. Can we just say Martin Scorsese? I said it as a joke <laughs> and you said it seriously. We cannot be like that. <laughs> Marty Scorsese has a similar <laughs> style, I feel, throughout all his movies, which are kind yeah. of what makes it watching his movies fun. You know you're watching one of his movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg, though, like I wouldn't have known that he direct- that he was part of making The Color Purple. No. You know what I mean? Like he's, uh, he's, I'm impressed. <laughs> he has range. It shows it he, has, he, he can do, he can do the blockbusters. He basically invented them. Yeah. Right. But then he can also surprise you with something like that or the movie Lincoln. I mean, that's, I completely forgot about that. I think we watched Daniel Day Lewis win that award, that best actor award. Mm-hmm. Um, he yeah. really has my respect. He has his respect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. I'm so glad. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Well, mm-hmm. our last blockbuster. Yeah. So next week we're going to start moving into our underrated um, block, and the first movie we'll be discuss- discussing is which one, Sada? I think we're going to start with Wind River, which I know okay. is a movie not a lot of people have seen. Mm-hmm. I watched it years ago and really loved it. I think I got tried to get Jana to watch it much to my, I failed, I failed. But I'm curious to see how this movie will age in my eyes. One thing that's interesting to talk about is just kind of foreshadowing. It's a movie about sexual assault and a murder, but it's d- okay. produced by the Weinstein Company. It's one of their last movies. Oh, So ew. we're going to have like definitely some interesting conversations around it. I remember wow. loving it when it came out, but I'm interested to see just how it's aged over a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I will be watching it with you. Leila's sure. going to watch. That sounds very intriguing. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a fun conversation. It's what a really good movie. Year. What year did this come out? 2017. Oh, not too long. So ago. after the Me Too movement started. Literally in the midst of it, Jenna. Like in the midst, leg- of, it. Wow. In the midst of it. It was crazy. Was it this was... before Weinstein was accused? This was as 
Well, the Me Too movement kind of started with his accusation. Yeah. It started with, I mean, obviously he'd been accused in the past multiple times, but it started, yeah, this movie was like the press for it was happening as all that stuff was blowing up. Mm. So it's, it was really interesting time-wise, like the actors had to address it in each interview they did. So the critical perception, just the perception around this movie in general, mm-hmm. I think is interesting. I don't want to get too into it because I'm really curious to see what you guys are going to think. Yeah, and watch that's going to be such an interesting episode. Yeah. This wasn't where the director was also facing allegations as well, right? No, no. No. This director, dire- it's so it was directed by um, Taylor Sheridan, who mm-hmm. we're going to get into it next week. I won't do the, yeah. I have a whole backstory on Taylor Sheridan, but um, okay. yeah, I'm really excited for it. And yeah, we're going from blockbusters to underrated people. Yeah. Switching gears. So stick around. Thanks for joining as always. Layla, we were so happy to have you back. There's been some family beef going on that we've been dealing with, and we're happy that you two could put it aside to join <laughs> tonight. <laughs> I'm so happy. Thank God. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Thanks for having me, y'all. Thanks. All, All right. right, guys. Peace All right. out, Girl Scouts. Bye. Peace Bye. out, Girl Scouts. <laughs>